At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to OK Talk. I'm Matt. It's winter time, Christmas time. And along with the winter in many parts of the world comes something darker than Santa Claus. You may have heard him called Krampus or Krampus or Krampus. The pronunciation of his name varies nearly as much as his depictions. Is he the anti-Santa Claus working off the naughty list rather than the nice list, punishing children who have been bad all year? Is he a scamp chasing around beautiful women and generally causing mischief? Is he an ancient demon who also punishes naughty kids by dragging them off to hell? Or some other version of eternal suffering? Krampus has been many things over the years, and only recently has he really entered American pop culture. And people celebrate him the way many of our favorite monsters are celebrated. There are Krampus festivals and Krampus runs, much like you would see a a zombie walk around Halloween. So why has he become so popular? To answer that question and many others, we reached out to... Mike Drake. You may have seen him on the television show Oddities. He's a collector of odd things. His collection has been called Shocking by the Huffington Post. He's also the author of six books on topics ranging from haiku to Halloween. His most recent book is titled Contemporary Krampus, where he's gathered together art from dozens of artists and ask them to interpret Krampus however they see fit, perhaps even providing a little story on why they chose to depict him in one way or another. We reached Mike via the magic of telephonic communication at his lavish Manhattan apartment late one cold December night. I guess maybe the first thing that we should ask is, what got you into Krampus? <laughs> well, that's a question that so many people ask me, and it has a, a very simple and innocent answer. It was a little bit more than a, a decade ago. I was reading a copy of Juxtapose Magazine, which is a magazine about artists, and there was an article with these uh, amazing pictures of these antique Christmas cards that had Krumpus on them. And I had never seen Krumpus before. And at first I thought it was a modern thing that someone had made to look like it was antique drawings. And then I read about it and I was fascinated. And I was like, 
I can't believe I did not know about this until now. And that started me on my uh, my journey of collecting antique Krumpus cards. Now you're saying Krumpus, so now I feel like I need to say Krumpus. <laughs> is that the exception? Well, no, no. Let me let me say let me say because this is this is very interesting. Krumpus is exceedingly regional. There are, uh, as you know, Krumpus is an alpine demon. So uh, for the most part, he where he's really popular is uh, Germany and Austria. Northern Italy, Switzerland, Hungary, Bavaria, Latveria. But depending on where you are, some people say Krampus and some people say Krumpus. And what I find constantly is when I do a radio show, because in print, you know, people just in their minds read it however they think it should be. But when I'm on the radio or on TV, people will always contact me after they see it and they go, you'll say it. You said it wrong. So if I say Krampus, people go, no, it's Krampus. If I say Krampus, people go, no, it's Krampus. So I'm going with Krampus. And for those of you that think I'm wrong, there's a bunch of other people that say I'm right. So maybe we're all wrong. Maybe we're all right. I don't know. I don't think that Krampus or Krampus minds if I mispronounce his name slightly. So yeah, as Clint was mentioning, we were talking a little bit before we called you about how Krampus has sort of infiltrated American culture how I feel, I mean, it may be a little bit before this, but like you mentioned, about 10 years ago, about a decade ago, I feel like before that, you didn't really hear about it all that often. And now it's gotten to the point where it's been on, he's been on TV shows. He's, there's a movie now. It, it has really taken American pop culture by storm. And I was wondering if you have any idea why now, why, why has, has Krampus popped up the way he has? <laughs> well, well, I do have some theories, but I would point out that Although we're saying, why now? There's bunches of other people saying, what took so long? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was, uh, I believe, uh, four years ago when uh, he was on The Venture Brothers, which was, you know, a cartoon on Adult Swim. It's still a cartoon on Adult Swim. And then he uh, was uh, featured in an episode of American Dad. He was uh, featured in an episode of The League. He's been on The uh, Colbert Show several times. There's a uh, great... Uh, interview with Christopher Waltz on the uh, Tonight Show uh, with Jimmy Fallon. I think we're all contractually obligated to say the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> yes. Where yes. Uh, Christopher Waltz talks about growing up in Austria and uh, how much uh, more persuasive Crumpus uh, is compared to Elf on a Shelf. <laughs> because it, it, if, if you think of it from the point of view of a little kid, yeah, I'm talking personally here. My parents always said to me, if you're not good, Santa's going to bring you coal for Christmas. And nobody I knew ever got coal for Christmas. You knew it was a hollow threat. But in countries where, you know, Krumpus is, is celebrated, there there's a thing called the, uh, the Krumpus Night, and they do the Krumpus Run, where men dress up like Krumpus and hordes of them run down the street and just drag children into the street and beat them more playfully, not really to hurt them. That to me, especially as a small kid, is much more persuasive than saying, maybe you're going to get fewer presents. Compare that to, or that demon running down the street right now who just grabbed that other kid is going to come and grab you next because you didn't make your bed today. That's much more effective, I feel. Get lit up with a birch switch. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Can we ask you to maybe give us a brief history of the Krampus? 
I will give you the nutshell version. What we think of as Christmas and Santa Claus isn't what the rest of the world thinks of as Christmas and Santa Claus. Much of the rest of the world doesn't do the presents from Santa on Christmas Day like we do here in America. They have St. Nicholas Eve, which is December 6th, which would be the uh, the feast day of St. Nicholas. They've always kept the two holidays separate. So Christmas, you know, Jesus' birthday, and then December 6th, St. Nicholas Day, where you're celebrating the day of that saint, St. Nicholas. Now, Krumpus is part of the St. Nicholas Day in those countries. So St. Nicholas, if you're good brings you the presents. Hey, you've been great. Have a toy train. If you're bad, there's a couple of degrees of badness. If you were mildly bad, like I was saying before, you teased your sister, didn't make your bed, left your toys everywhere. He'll hit you with some sticks, maybe hit you with a chain, kick you, slap you around. Think of him like Santa's enforcer. If you were really bad, if you were just, you know, just that like that juvenile delinquent. Now, here, here's where we get into the regionalism again. He's going to either throw you in a basket that he carries with him, or if you're in a different country, he'll throw you in a sack, very similar to the big sack that Santa carries. Again, this is the regionalism part. One of three things will happen. He will either drag you to hell or... He will take you back to his lair, which may or may not be in hell, and he will eat you, or he will take you to Spain. So it's it's really an interesting variety of punishments there. You could be eaten, you could go to hell, or you could go to Spain. Wow. That's uh that's an intriguing. Where is the where is that Spanish uh, form of punishment? Where is that coming from or do you, do you know? I do not know the actual origin of that. It's very it's, it's, somebody who does not like the Spanish, yeah, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be like Krampus is going to drag you to the I don't know the Middle East or something. I don't know what Right, right. I don't even want to guess. I I would just uh, imagine You see, I said I don't want to guess, and now I'm guessing, but there must have been, uh, at some point, that was probably the worst place that people thought you could go. Wow. Although I have to tell you, I've been to Spain, and it's really quite lovely. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound so bad. All I I keep thinking about is maybe if you went to Spain, like on a carnival cruise or something. (laughs) Maybe that would be a bad thing. Let's hope that they weren't considering sponsoring the show. (laughs) I don't think there's a worry about that. Not not now. Not now. So your book, Contemporary Krampus, is a collection of art that you have pieced together. Everything in the book is new. I believe the oldest thing in the book is two years old. And that is done. And the reason is there are tons of excellent books showing vintage Krumpus cards. I would like to say I have a whole bookshelf full of them, and I almost literally do, which have beautiful artwork. But what you see is, especially once you're on like your 15th book, there's a lot of repetition. So what I wanted to do was find modern artists to do a modern take on a Krumpus card. So in other words, if, if Hallmark was going to put out a Krumpus card and they hired you to do the artwork for the front, what would you make it look like today? So I found a, a bunch of artists, had them do the artwork, and uh, the results, I think, are, are, are great. Did you have any guidelines for them, or was it just read about Krampus, interpret him however you like, and, and come up with what you, what you come up with? I had very, very 
loose guidelines. I gave them, uh, you know, size dimensions because I want everything to, you know, fit on the page neatly for the most part. And then I said, don't make it too adult because I don't want anything that's going to uh, cause people to uh, pick up the book and go, oh my, oh my goodness, this isn't appropriate for uh, the general public. I'm not saying that they couldn't be risque because Crumpus himself does have a history of being risque. I didn't want anything that was just out and out adult material. And and just about Crumpus being risque, I just want to say briefly, uh, as the years went on, Crumpus evolved in an interesting way because the, the oldest card portrayed Crumpus as a terrifying, horrific figure, truly a monster, like something you'd want to do everything you could to avoid. And then when you get to after World War II, he turns into kind of like the devil that you sometimes see on a Valentine's Day card. So almost like that devil hot stuff, if you remember him from the comic books. Right. He's more of a playful character. And lots of times on those cards, you'll see like a woman in a nightgown and she's like dressing or undressing and Krampus is under the bed peeking out at her or he's leering through a window or he's looking at her through a closet. So it's almost more of like a wink, wink, nod, nod. She's done something naughty or is about to do something naughty and Krampus is going to punish her. With, by the way, his giant tongue, which is usually protruding from his mouth. Yeah, that thing is like a lasso. Yeah. (laughs) So Krumpus clearly has this adult history. And although that's the case, I didn't want anything in the book to be too adult. So it's more good, clean fun. Although you have to also remember that that good, clean fun involves beating children and either eating them or dragging them to Spain. Clearly. It's funny you, you mentioned that because you, when I was going through a lot of old pictures, I did find a, a set of them where, yeah, he's hiding, he's next to the bed or he's standing over some woman who I guess is doing schoolwork or something like that. It's a very interesting take. I mean, uh-huh. I guess you see that a lot with even modern uh, horror icons. They get this sort of weird cutesy treatment until, I don't know, I guess it's the characters rebooted yeah. and back to its more horrifying origins. Yep. And I just want to just want to point out, because I, I said World War II, Hitler himself banned the sending of Krumpus cards during World War II, during uh, his reign. And my personal theory on this is that he knew that he was on the naughty list. <laughs> oh, he didn't want to evoke the ancient demon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it it is interesting that someone that we all think of as being a very bad person didn't want anyone sending out the cards that, you know, <laughs> warn you to be good or else the, uh, you're going to be punished for being bad. I, I you think know? you could also imagine him maybe seeing them uh, making those cards look a little bit more like him. I can imagine some sort of wanting to crack down on any sort of political speech, maybe included yeah. in those Krampus cards. Oh, definitely. And then uh, the, back to the book, Contemporary Krampus, available on Amazon. <laughs> but uh, back to the book, uh, what I tried to do that is missing in the the older collections of cards. I gave every artist the opportunity to tell about what inspired them to make the card or what inspires their art. This is something, sadly, that you don't see in many collections of artwork. When you pick up a book and it's all one artist, if I give you a, buy a book about the artwork of uh, Basil Gogos, you'll you know read about him and read about his history, and there'll be there'll be a lot of information about him. But when you buy a book that's a collection of seventy different artists, like Contemporary Crumpus is, it's very seldom that you hear about each artist in their own words. So it was very important to me that we allow the artists to 
to say what they wanted to say to make it clear what inspires them to uh, do the artwork in this way or, you know, why they felt that this was appropriate or why they didn't do something else. I'd say about four-fifths of the artists wrote something, but there was a handful of artists that said, you know, I want to participate, I want my artwork to be in the book, but my art speaks for itself. And the picture, as they say, is worth, worth a thousand words. And there's not need for me to write anything except for my name. And I, I thought... Both things were very interesting. The book is beautiful, first of all. Uh, very well done. And, oh, that's nice of you to say. And we'll obviously repeat this, but you know, people can check it out at contemporarycrampus.com. The cover of the book is striking. It has a horrific kind of gothic feel to it. Visions of Bram Stoker, the way that he's holding the lady. It, it reminds me of a silent movie almost, the, the what I'm looking at, like something you'd see out of, see out of Germany. <laughs> Well, well I, I have a very uh, interesting story about that cover, and I, I myself did the artwork on that cover. Oh, well, well the, done. Well done. The, thank you. The Krumpus head on that cover is a fairly accurate representation of a mask that I had in my personal collection. My nieces had given me that mask about 15 years ago, and it horrified my honey. Just couldn't be in the same room with the mask. And I kid you not, when we moved to our new apartment, the mask was the only thing that the movers broke. The mask and one picture frame. And I was like, how much did you pay them to break it? (laughs) (laughs) Because they didn't just like, you know, chip it a little bit or, you know, have one of the horns fell off. It was like the truck drove over it. So... (laughs) Maybe they themselves were I don't afraid know if of it. it. Was fate or what? Now is is that a mask that like you would wear on a Krampus knocked or you know on a Krampus run? Yes, yes it is. Have have you yes, participated? However, I, I have not participated. No. Okay, okay. I was actually doing a little bit of uh, you know day by day Christmas research a couple of weeks ago, and uh, right around Santa Lucia Day, when I was uh-huh. just googling around, you know, a couple of different towns. You know, like their Christmas calendar uh-huh. came up because when you're Googling Christmas calendar and it was like some place in Missouri and they were doing their second annual Krampus run. And it was like the most. I believe there was one in, in Deep Ellum. I mean, we're, we were based in, in we're, Dallas and see in Dallas and Deep Ellum. That makes sense. Yeah. But to me, it was just so funny that this was such like a Norman Rockwell <laughs> little tiny town that, you know, they just had a Santa Lucia day and a girl from the town was going to wear a crown of candles. And then they're like, and don't forget this weekend, we're going to terrify those same children with our crampish knot. <laughs> And I think it really speaks well, to know, how how the character has come to the Americas now. And again, we have a movie that's out now. It really seems like the heightened awareness of this ancient demon has just uh, really started to penetrate American society. You're 100% right. And, you know, Dallas has one of the most active Krumpus groups in the U.S., Really? Yeah. Now, this time a year from now, we're going to participate so yeah, hard. We're going to have to be down there. We're going to be circling back with you, and I'm going to ask <laughs> if my mask was appropriate. <laughs> Where does one secure one of these? Personally, I feel that the Austrian and the German ones are the best for the most part, although you don't realize it when you first look at them. They're all wood. 
Although the horns uh, are not always natural horn. More and more, they use artificial horn for a variety of reasons. Often when you see one of the masks, you think, oh, this must be like a latex mask or a plastic mask. But no, they're, they're hand carved by wood. They're works of art. That's amazing craftsmanship. I mean, we're talking something that takes, you know, 40, 50, 60, sometimes more hours to make. Very often they put real uh, prosthetic glass eyes in them and the hand is uh, often rooted by, or the hair is rooted by hand. They're really labors of love. They are pricey. However, let me add that although the, the German and the Austrian ones are beautiful, I encourage anyone that's interested in participating in a Krumpus run or a Krumpus night to make their own mask. Some of the some of the most terrifying traditional Krumpus masks have been made by you know, people that aren't traditionally mask makers, and those often give you the best results. Although I also feel the same way about uh, about Halloween costumes. I wish we really could return to the days when you know. Mom made your Halloween costume or, you know, you helped mom or when you're a little bit older, maybe dad helped you make, you know, your robot costume, whatever. I, I think not only was that a fun family activity, but you got results that had more meaning than, you know, the storyboard plastic costume of uh, My Little Pony. Oh, gosh. I mean, you search any photo of a Halloween costume from the 40s and you're going to have nightmares for a, a week. Some of those things are yeah. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> I'd, I'd you're, be, you're 100% right. I'd, I'd be curious to know um, uh, your thoughts on this since you're you know interested in, in these sorts of things. Uh, I, I think going back to why Krampus may be popular now, this character taps into an interesting outpouring of, I don't, I don't want to say rebellion against Christmas, but I, I, I in the last couple of decades, I really feel this sort of pushback against what Christmas has become. And uh, there seems to be this desire for going back to not not just having fun with with the darker side of it, but also sort of recapturing some uh, some more I don't know an, an ancient feeling of of this time of year. You're definitely right there. It's an intriguing situation that by celebrating Krumpus, you're celebrating one of the oldest aspects of the holiday. I mean, you can't get more traditional than this. This is something that was celebrated. 500 years ago. I mean, there's documentation of it, you know, at actually it's older than 500 years, but we have, you know, definitive documentation of 500 years ago, people doing this in celebration of the holiday. This is what the holiday was and probably should continue to be. So you're, you're honoring the tradition by celebrating Krampus, the rebelliousness of it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm celebrating Christmas by wearing my Krampus sweater. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was doing some reading about uh, children with sticks. Uh, about <laughs> I was doing some reading about Christmas, you know, early in in American culture, and this is you know early on seventeen hundreds, uh-huh. early eighteen hundreds, and Christmas before it became yep. about giving out presents to kids and the Christmas tree and and uh, all of what you sort of uh-huh. traditionally associate it with. It was more of a night, I mean, akin to say a Mardi Gras or a New Year's Eve, where people would go out drinking and just having a good time. And it was almost an adult themed holiday where people would just sort of you know. Cut loose in in late in the year right well you have to remember that you know years ago really children weren't the focus of anything uh you know adults were about adults and kids were you know, meant to be seen and not heard so there were no really child themed holidays these were things that adults did and then it you know mutated as the years went on 
Well, Mike, it is an absolutely beautiful book, and we really appreciate the time. The book is called Contemporary Krampus. Uh, the website is contemporarycrampus.com. It's also available on Amazon. Is there is there any uh, is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners about the book while you have a minute? Well, you know, besides just you know buy the book, I also wanted to point out that the the Krampus movie that you mentioned earlier is a great movie. Really captures, I think, the essence of Krampus and. Not really that scary, although it's very effective. So if you have a child, now not a small kid, if you have a child that like like the movie Gremlins, which, by the way, also a great Christmas movie. Most definitely. Uh, if they like that, I think Krampus is probably also suitable for them. And it serves as a cautionary tale of, hey, shape up or else, you know, what we just saw on the screen could happen to you. So a great movie and, you know, universal Bravo to them for making a another fun holiday classic. One thing really quick. I'm a big fan sure. of the show Oddities and, you know, and yes. I recognized <laughs> you immediately from the show. So you are oh, thank you. you're into the macabre, obviously. One could say that. Yes. I, I have to tell you it's it's amazing how many people, you know, watched Oddities and still recognize me from it. And I have to say that my honey is always a bit mortified when people, uh, you know, will be in a diner or something and people go, hey, hey, two-headed baby man. (laughs) (laughs) That's a thing to be known for. (laughs) What's the weirdest thing in your collection that you have right now? My human skulls are always my favorite piece. One of them was given to me by my dad. It's not his skull, though. You know, it's not the skull from his head. And uh, so that's that's always a personal favorite. And then I also have a, a hippo skull that I recently acquired legally, by the way, I just have to point out. It wasn't, you know, a, a hippo that shouldn't have been killed. And uh, hippo skulls in person are absolutely amazing. And then also the two-headed baby uh, life mask is... Uh, is tremendous but i also have a a wax life mask of vincent price that i really love because i'm a huge vincent price fan so i would say those are probably you know the the top grouping of favorite things however the thing that probably i don't know if terrifies let's say disgusts people the most is uh you guys probably know that i'm in the ripley's believe it or not books for the uh for the paperweights I make. And when people are unfamiliar with those and pick one up and then go, Oh, what is this? Is this like some rare mineral? And I describe it to them. They're always disgusted. And I have to, I have to admit, I do take a small perverse joy in seeing that. Sometimes we, we just moved fairly recently in October and we were having the cable installed and the cable guy was looking at some of my stuff. Most of it was in boxes, but I had one showcase set up. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is really interesting. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And he goes, what is this? And then I told him, and he was like, ah. And I could tell he just, like, wanted to leave the, the <laughs> not only the apartment, but the whole building. <laughs> my honey being, don't you dare screw up us getting cable. <laughs> And for those who don't know, your uh, paperweights are made of fingernail clippings. Yes, yes. Each year, I save all my fingernail and toenail clippings, and then at the end of the year, I make a paperweight for that year. Those are bad enough on their own if I find just a random stray one 
hanging around in in the studio or something. So I can only imagine picking something up and thinking, "Oh, that's pretty neat," and then you get the full weight of, "Oh, that, that's those are someone's fingernails." <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know, just just because something seems a little bit disgusting, really, there's this is going to sound crazy, but there's beauty in everything. And especially when they're, you know, interestingly presented in a lucite paperweight, it really makes for an interesting uh, conversation piece. Yeah. And, you know, the collectors, the collectors that have purchased them, they, they agree. They love it. Got any projects in the works? Yes. I'm working on a book about Fiji mermaids. So uh, that should oh. be out in uh, 2017. That's going to take a while. And uh, that's what's up next. When we get that thing up and running before uh before it hits the printer let's let's touch base on that again because all of a sudden now my thought bubble is going ballistic in fact we we may have to check in with you on on mermaid topics at the beginning of the summer next year that's a good time to do it (laughs) excellent excellent well mike thank you so much we really appreciate it can't wait to see the next book thank you so much for your time thanks mike super you're welcome tell you what Maybe we'll have ourselves a little Christmas right here. Come on, everyone, gather around. String up the lights and light up the tree. We're gonna make some revelry. Spirits are high, so I can tell it's Christmas time in hell. Demons are nicer as you pass them by. There's lots of demon toys to buy. The snow is falling and all is well. It's Christmas time in hell. There goes Jeffrey Dahmer with a festive Christmas ham. After he has sex with it, he'll read up all he can. And there goes John F. Kennedy, caroling with his son. Reunited for the holidays, God bless us everyone. Everybody has a happy glow, let's dance in blood and pretend it's snow. Even Mao Zedong is under the spell, it's Christmas time in hell. Adolf, here's a present for you. Oh, a Dannenbaum! He has a Dannenbaum. God cast me down from heaven's door to rule in hell forevermore. But now I'm kind of glad that I fell, cause it's Christmas time in hell. Here's a rack to hang the stockings on, we still have to shop for Genghis Khan. Michael Landon's hair looks well, it's Christmas time in hell. There's Princess Diana holding burning mistletoe. Over poor Jean Siskel's edge, just watch his weenie grow. For one day we all stop burning, and the flames are not so thick. All the screaming and the torture stops as we wait for old St. Nick. So string up the lights and light up the tree. We're damned for all eternity. But for just one day, all is well. It's Christmas time in hell. Gather close together and make it quick. We gotta make room for Andy Dick. Wake his mother and ring the bell. It's Christmas time. Christmas time. Christmas time. It's Christmas time in Merry Christmas, movie house. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.